0: Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Creation Innovation. Today, we are talking to Lauren Macler. Did I say that right, Lauren? It's Macler. Mackler. okay. She's a CEO and co-founder of CoFertility, a new fertility ecosystem that enables women to freeze their eggs for free when they donate half the eggs retrieved to intended parents who can't otherwise conceive. Lauren spent eight years at Uber launching new markets across the East Coast and then spearheading Uber Health, a product that removes transportation as a barrier to care for low income and elderly patients. After her own winding road to motherhood, she felt compelled to build something impactful in reproductive health. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes. So f- let's start with your own story, if you don't mind.
1: What yeah. was that
0: story that kind of led you to kind of down this road.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's one that I'm still on, of course. Oh, okay. Uh, but um, in the in about I think it was 2017, I was diagnosed with an incredibly rare abdominal disease, one of like mm. 150 people on the planet to ever wow. get it. You are yeah. extra special as I we know. like to say, right? Extra wow. extra special totally. Um, But it meant that I had benign masses growing everywhere throughout my abdomen and Mm -hmm. pelvis. And I knew that I would have to have a number of surgeries to remove the disease. And I was told there was a good chance I would lose my ovaries in the process. And um, I wasn't ready to become a mom yet at that stage in my life. And I asked, like, you know, should I freeze my eggs? And I think my doctors felt that – there was just so little known about my disease that they didn't feel comfortable freezing my eggs. And so okay. I asked like, okay, well then How what did would you my... feel about that? <sighs> you know, I trusted them. I think okay. especially, you know, I was working with an REI who specialized in patients who had rare diseases and cancers. And I really yeah. was like, look, you're an expert in this. I am not. Um, right. And I asked, you know, if it comes to me losing my ovaries, what options might I have? And that's the first time I learned about egg donation. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at the space and I was really surprised at what I saw. Um, I was surprised how really like transactional it felt and, you know, so much around this idea of anonymity and things like that that just didn't really sit well with me. Right. And at the time, my sister actually said, hey, you know what? Like, why don't I freeze my eggs and donate them to you so that you have them in case you need them? And so right. – um, that's what she did, and it was this awesome. beautiful gift she gave me. And I I got to then go through what ended up being three surgeries, knowing that I had those eggs on ice waiting for me if I needed them. Mm-hmm. And and you were um, single at the time still, or I, you were so right when I was diagnosed, I had just started dating my now husband. So okay. we had it really did accelerate our relationship to, yeah. like, to say the least, right? Going through something like that, but um, yeah, so I, I knew. Ultimately, I had these surgeries and they actually kept my ovaries, thankfully. Oh, good. But I I never forgot that, like, peace of mind that I had, you know? And so um, my daughter, who is now two, was conceived unassisted without using my sister's eggs. But when I gave birth and I held her in my arms, it was just this feeling of, like, if like, I have to go build something in reproductive health. You know, I had built this healthcare product at Uber and knew that, like, you know, we need more creative thinking in healthcare, and we need people right. to go and think about old problems in new ways. And so, I wanted right. to do that here. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned my journey is still ongoing, and that you know, I'm hoping to have a second child, and that's something that um, I think often is easier said than done. And so, um, it's mm-hmm. especially journey with a toddler, to say the least. yes, yes, and and trying to build a company at the same time. So, <laughs> oh, there's um, that, too. yeah, that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm going through that experience, I think with so much more perspective than I would have had, had I not been building co-fertility. And so I feel really grateful to, to be doing that now. And so, um, I got together with my co-founders, um, both of whom also had winding roads of fertility journeys. Um, and this idea for co-fertility was born, right? This idea that. We believe egg freezing is something that is incredible for so many people. It's not a guarantee. It's not an insurance policy, but it absolutely does help more people who have babies who do experience issues with their fertility later on. And so it's wonderful, except it's cost prohibitive for so many people. And so we wanted to address that while also addressing this fact that egg donation has a long way to go as well. We think that – you know, there's just so much that can be done in this space to, to take it further in terms of bringing intended parents more options for donors, more diverse options, and more people who they right. feel are reflective of what they're looking for in a donor. Um, right. There's also opportunity to make it less transactional and less sort of shrouded in sort of secrecy and, and shame in a sense. And so yeah. our approach where we essentially say, hey, let's take cash compensation out of egg donation and instead offer these women the opportunity to keep half of their own eggs that are retrieved from the cycle while also helping grow another family addresses both of those issues. Such a cool concept.
0: And I think having work, because I work with people that are going through this, and I always say I go through waves of trends essentially of wh- who's coming to see me and right now it really I feel like there's a lot of people that are going down this road of egg donation and mm-hmm. you know part of that is you never think that you're going to have that said to you right yep maybe you should consider having an egg donor you're like yep. what i remember a doctor said it to me one time and i felt like it was a kick in the stomach and just hmm, i i kind of knew for me that that wasn't my story my path but yep. also you just never expect that and yep. Now, though, it is such an amazing experience that it takes a little bit to get past that. I will say that. But also, once you get past that, it is incredible. And there's no words really to say the fact that we have this technology and we are able to do this is amazing. And to speak to people who have babies from egg donation or sperm donation, whatever it may be, you would never know the difference, right? Mm -hmm. They love those babies. Like they're, they're, the, they are their own, yeah, but as yeah. if they were biologically their own. Yes. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful experience. But be, in going through that with these families, you know, I'm on the journey with them of figuring out which, where do they go. How do they find the donor? Mm-hmm. Do they go with what's recommended by their clinic? Do they go here or there or whatnot? And that is something that has come up a few times recently, usually from one partner or the other about this cash transaction, right? And I feel like, you know, they're just in it for the money. And so I don't want our future child to be coming from a situation necessarily like that. And there's no judgment because I've never been in that situation to Mm -hmm. say, you know, what could come up for either party during that situation. But now with co-fertility, it's so out-of-the-box thinking of such a new, beautiful way of, I have an idea. How about this? Right, We're taking that cash transaction out of it. And and there's such an insurge of education, I guess, around this Mm -hmm. younger generation of egg freezing that people talk about it now. When I did it at 36, nobody was talking about it. Totally. It was kind of – I mean it just wasn't a thing and the fact right. that I did it because of a situation similar to yours when I was 19 with my sister getting sick and saying mm-hmm. you know all the things but now it's like a a regular conversation over cocktails with women yeah. in their 20s or 30s right yeah and so how do you market to these women to say hey come our way. And then we have an idea for you. And like, how how are you guys approaching that for this kind of market? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think you're right, right? That it is becoming way more part of the conversation to the extent that it's less, should I freeze my eggs and more, when should I freeze my eggs? Right? Right. And I think that part of that has to do with this younger generation being really educated on the fact that, you know, fertility doesn't come easy to everybody and right. that they may want to prioritize different things in their life and they may want to have more options and I think that has a lot like the older generation should get some credit for that right because we are a lot more open about our fertility journeys and our struggles and and we want to educate this younger group right so right. I think that that's definitely happening more and I'm so happy to see it um, for us, we see ourselves playing a role in that conversation regardless of whether or not someone wants to donate. And so a lot of what we do is around general fertility education as a whole and being about options and choice. And so we actually have two programs. One is called Keep. One is called Split. Split is the program that I've mentioned where women have the opportunity to do the entire egg freezing cycle for free including 10 years of storage when they donate half of the eggs retrieved to intended parents that can't otherwise conceive. And so they obviously have to qualify for that. They have to meet Mm -hmm. certain clinical standards to donate. But for women who either aren't interested in donation or who don't qualify for donation, that's where we have our keep program where we'll still help them find a way to freeze their eggs. They'll keep 100% of those eggs for themselves. um, But we hope to like help lighten the financial burden in that process for them. And so for us, like there's zero judgment as to which program feels right for someone because I donation isn't for everybody and I would never want them to feel that it has to be, you know, it has to be something that's like very much in alignment with who you are and how you want to go about your life for you to be able to move forward with it. So um, I will say, I think this generation too, is really open-minded in the sense that like, they understand that the way we build families today is more dynamic than it's ever been, right? So maybe they have friends who've struggled with fertility challenges or they um, are a member of the LGBTQ community where they know that if they want to have children someday, they may need help of a third party. So um, they're just a bit more Open to those things, and so I would I think say they're a really, lot more open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think they're really excited by this idea. Like, oh, I get to help this other family, right? Like, right. we actually have, and and a lot of our matches, um, we believe, you know, anonymity is somewhat impossible this day and age, right? Given things like 23andMe and Ancestry.com, right. and right. so um, many of our donors and intended parents actually choose to meet one another upfront in the process. And I'm thinking of this one match where um, the donor had said, you know, initially I was really, you know, equally excited about helping this other family and about, you know, putting eggs away for myself someday. But she's like, after I've gotten to know them, I am like 95% like wanting to help them grow them, their family and 5% wanting to do this for myself, right? Like she just got right. so invested in who they were. And I, uh, right. I love that.
0: Yeah, that I have seen that too with people. You know, they're yeah. so excited to see, oh, my my eggs went to Paris and there's a family gonna be, you know, baby born over yes. there or a baby born here. And yeah, they really do have this excitement and a different way of thinking about it than previously done, which is yeah. so beautiful. Because there's no reason why not, I think. You know, we're totally. we're navigating it and figuring it out as we go, to be fair. I mean, it hasn't been yeah. that long that it's been happening. I think they'll you know, I don't know the. Do you know the first egg donor?
1: That's a great. I don't know it offhand. I don't. I don't know. While, yeah. but it's been happening
0: a while, but it's in secret, right? And yes. now, now it's really not anymore. Well, I have seen. You know, sometimes people are hesitant to tell their families and things like that. But at the same time, I've always seen people very open to. Of course, we're going to tell our child. I think yes. because of those things that you mentioned, like ancestry and twenty three andMe, there's yes. really no hiding, right? Eventually. Exactly. That's going to come out of the closet, and right. it's better to come from you than, oh, guess what? You know, 18 years later. Right. So,
1: well, I think what's interesting is like, even if you look at the celebrities today that are coming out with, like, oh, they're in their late 40s or early 50s and they're having a baby, and which is wonderful a lot of the times if they're using a surrogate, right, like they can't hide the fact that they're using a surrogate. If you right. see them, you know, in the nine months leading up to having a baby, right, like, you know, it's obvious if someone uses a surrogate, so they announce it.
0: It's a lot more obvious. Say, I feel like, Lauren, though, that a lot of them are uh, like on the DL during that time, right? So you don't even yeah, know. you that like, too. They that too. Themselves? Right. They're not. I don't know. Yeah.
1: But the fact, the like using an egg donor – is not something they talk about because they don't right. have to, right? And so I yeah. just think it can be somewhat – Of course, it's like their own journey and they get to be to decide how much they want to share or not. But right. I think it can be really misleading for the general public who is like, oh, well, so-and-so got pregnant at, you know, 44. Correct. Like, right. I should be able to too. And they didn't say they used an egg donor, so why should I? It's like, well, maybe they yeah. just didn't say it. Um, right. Right.
0: And that yeah. is extremely frustrating, I think, for our community in the fact that it gives us the false hope of somebody saying, yeah. oh, you can build your family at, you know, at any age, you know, right. in your 50s or whatever. Well, if you have $150,000 plus, right, to have a surrogate and an egg donor and test the you know yeah. the embryos and all the things, right? So right. it's just not giving the full picture of what really is happening there in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, of course, it's their own. To each their own to what to share. But I think it's also important for us, people like us in this community, to say, this is how the breakdown works. This is what happens. This is around how much it costs. And it varies yeah. from this to this. And, you know, yes, you can have a baby at any age you want if you go through these avenues and it right. may cost you this much, right? Because I think it, People in the fertility realm are so desperate to have a baby, and they see that and they think, okay, we can do it too, right? And it's, yes, you can, but here's the facts of how they got there. Right. Yeah. Totally. So from people who are listening to this now and thinking, okay, I'm young, I want to potentially look into this. What's the first step somebody takes in order to see if they would be able to donate?
1: Yeah. So it's really simple. Start by going to our website, um, cofertility.com slash freeze and there, or cofertility.com and you'll find it. But there's a pretty quick um, questionnaire that will help you to determine which of our programs you qualify for. Uh, We use all of the, like, ASRM um, and FDA standards to determine whether or not someone qualifies to be an egg donor. Um, And there's also a ton of content on our website. If you wanted to, like, read there, like, what what does qualify someone, that's all listed. Um, But pretty quickly, you would know from filling that out if you're a good candidate or not. Um, And then if you're an intended parent who's looking for a donor, similarly, you can start on our website as well. It's free to an account and to look for a donor to see if there's someone that you think is a good match.
0: Awesome. How many people do you have in your database if for intended parents to yeah.
1: look at? So we make, we're making matches every day. And so that number like goes up and down, but it typically yep. is is between 150 and 200 donors at any given time. Okay. Um, and so I'm really proud of the like women that we have in there, right? Like they're just, you know, from all different backgrounds, very like, you know, diverse in terms of different heritages and things like that, but also yeah. like coming from really amazing sort of career paths and um, education backgrounds, things like that. Um, it's really resonating. And so um, a lot of intended parents come to us after they've been looking for a really long time to find someone and they're like, oh, I found her. Let's do awesome. this. Yeah,
0: And I will just kind of put that to say too, once you find your donor, it goes pretty fast. So I tell people like if you make this decision, get ready because that goes fast and you'll have your baby pretty quickly, assuming everything kind of goes as planned. And I've only seen, you know, maybe – less than 10% where it doesn't, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's such a great option. I yeah. I really love it so much. I can't say in enough
1: great things about it. Um, how is there
0: a limit of how many times somebody can donate?
1: So um, ASRM, so the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, says that a woman shouldn't do more than six egg retrieval cycles. Um, we absolutely adhere to that. But I think what you'll find with co-fertility is that most of our donors because they're not doing it for income aren't looking to do it with six families right they're looking to okay what are their personal goals how many children do they want someday how many eggs do they want to put away for their own use um and you know do it that way so some families decide to do two cycles with the same donor some donor, Some intended parents are like, we got enough from our first cycle to meet our goals, but maybe the donor wants to do it again with a second family. We've seen that happen, um, but we aren't really seeing, you know, I think that's something a lot of intended parents care a lot about, which is like, how many biological half-siblings will my child sure. have? And so sure. if you work with a traditional egg bank or some of the other egg donation agencies out there, this might be a donor who's on her sixth cycle and maybe her, you know, It's not only six families. Maybe that that, um, lot of eggs was divided into smaller cohorts. And so, you know, there could be upward of 20 families that are sharing the eggs from one donor. So uh, that's less common with us.
0: Okay. And if somebody has a retrieval and it's, you know, they don't get what they expected to get out of it. Do they generally go right back into another round if they want to, or how is it up to whoever the clinic that you guys are working with? And yeah. I guess that's my second part of the question: Do you guys work with sp- specific clinics throughout yeah. the U.S.,
1: or is it so whoever? Our, we're clinic agnostic, meaning that we're more than happy to work with the intended parents' clinic. Um, mm-hmm. We do have preferred clinics that we have established relationships with for scenarios where the intended parent doesn't have a clinic yet, or maybe wants to do the, um, the the retrieval local to the donor. So we have different options depending on the specifics of the match. Um, but to your first question, first and foremost, we wanna make sure that the donor qualifies through all of her like screening steps. So right. she'll have her AMH checked, her her follicle count checked, all of those different factors really will help the doctor who's overseeing the match to determine whether or not she's a good candidate to move forward with the split cycle. Um, And of course, you know, there may be a scenario where a donor has fewer eggs retrieved than even anticipated at that stage. So at that point, it's up to the intended parents, the doctor and the donor, if they want to move forward with a second cycle together, or if the intended parents want to work with a different donor for another cycle. Um, We have something called a live baby guarantee. Um, meaning that we will rematch the intended parents with another donor or we'll refund their co-fertility coordination fee until they have a baby. So we're really committed to helping make sure that that happens.
0: That's awesome. That is so cool. What if somebody wants to freeze embryos rather than – Eggs online. Yeah. Are you guys? The, if the donor to wants
1: to freeze embryos, yeah, of course, we're absolutely open to it. Um, the cost of fertilizing those eggs um, would be on the donor at that point. Okay. It's not covered with the like the arrangement that we've already set up. Um, right. But of course, if that's something that she wants to do, we're very supportive.
0: Right. So awesome. I mean, again, just a different way of thinking about. Things is so refreshing, I think, and a, a beautiful way of everything coming together, where it just feels like everybody's in a flow together, and it's like for the greater good, and the, you know, yeah, working together and collaborating in the best way possible. And I always say, in Creation innovation is started from we're all trying to create something, whether that's a family or a business or a book or whatever it may be. And in this, it just feels like it's amplified by we're creating in all different angles and ways all the time with yeah. co-fertility, which is so cool.
1: That's what it feels like. It really does. <laughs>
0: Something for people like that. that are listening what can they take away from this to communicate to the people around them about co-fertility and because yeah. i know you mentioned a few times the diversity and whatnot i know again that's a big Issue that I've come across yeah. quite a few times with my clients is maybe they don't have donors that look like them or their background yeah. or whatnot, and um, and they've tried to find them in different areas of the United States or whatnot. So, what's kind of the big takeaway of the message that we should be yeah. shouting out to people
1: who are I, looking to yeah. potentially do this? I think for me, it's that you should never feel like you're settling for the egg donor you're working with, like. Mm it should never feel like that. Of course, you're not going to be excited to use an egg donor. I'm not saying that that's the feeling you'll have, but you shouldn't feel like, oh, this is the best we can do, right? And so I really feel strongly that um, there's someone out there for everyone, you know, and so please come check us out, set up time with our team and we will like absolutely help you find that person that you're looking for. Um, And that, you know, we're really trying to do it in a way that honors all of the folks involved, right? So the intended parents, the donor, and the donor-conceived child that comes out of the other side of this. So um, that's what we're all about, and, and we'd be more than happy to be on this journey with you.
0: Awesome. Again, I think that there's – we're so used to going to the clinic You go down the egg donor route where they say, okay, I think that's what your next step's going to be. And then they say, here's here's the like inventory, so to speak, of who we have and who we work with, the agency that we work with. And what I say to my clients is do your own research as well. There's so many options. And to Lauren's point as well, you don't want to settle. You want to make sure that you are as excited as you can be about this donor and your potential baby coming and who they are. And there is way more out there than just what most clinics are kind of giving you the menu of, so to speak, these days. So I think a lot of the clinics just aren't really on board yet with the variety of different options that are out there to kind of... Serve that up, so to speak, if that makes sense. So make sure that you set aside some time and and really do that due diligence to say, we're going to look at all of the options and then we'll come back to our clinic to say, perhaps that first donor, you know, maybe they are with the agency that's yeah. with your clinic, but maybe they're not. So just keep an open mind to that and know that it is such an amazing experience. Find somebody who's gone through it to talk to. I always say, have that conversation so you can get there experience of whether they do a split donor, which I have so many people that love that they did that. And it's, again, it's not as complicated as you may think. It's just right. educating yourself and knowing the process. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's it. Okay. We're like, we're doing this. And it's right. it's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for building this amazing company business movement, all the things. I mean, it really is such an awesome like, collective for women and women's health and reproductive um, in all different ways, whether you're coming to it from like your perspective in a health situation. I got a call this weekend, an 18-year-old had her ovaries and everything removed as an emergency surgery. And, um, you know, that's the one thing I could say to the parents was, you know, I know it doesn't feel good to hear this right now, but there are so many amazing options, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. that's the one thing to keep in mind. You're here and you're alive and you're healthy first and yep. foremost. And then there's so many people that want to support you on your fertility journey secondary. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So reach out to any of us yes. to help you on that path and we are happy to, to point you in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the creation innovation podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the creation innovation podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creationinnovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.